Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, David Bugle, and from thebigkickoff.com, it's Peter Moore. Now, Dave, I want to start with Spurs. And after a five-star, five-goal performance last weekend away to Southampton, four goals from Son and a goal and four assists for Harry Kane, you're adding Gareth Bale now into that, into a f- front three. It's a formidable and exciting striking force they have now. So, Gareth Bale and formidable. Uh, on paper, you would say yes, but it's not played on paper. I think, to be honest, the only stumbling, the ultimate stumbling block will be him and himself and his body, because as far as I know, I think he already has a niggle. To be honest, if he played 30, 30 odd, 35 games this year, he's going to get you goals and assists without a shadow of a doubt, I think. But it's just, are you going to get him fit and healthy for the majority of the season is the biggest question for me, I think, because I'd like to think he'd have something to prove. He'll really want to ram it down Real Madrid and Zinedine Zidane's throat. Like, I think he literally got two lines on the website to say, yeah, thanks for your service and off you go. Good luck. So I don't think he needs, uh, to be honest, uh, motivation. So if he's fit and healthy, there's no two ways about it. He's an improvement for that sports side. Yeah, Peter, he's not exactly the same player as he was when he left. No one can be when, when you've hit over 30. So what impact can he make with sports now? Well, I think if he can get himself back to his best, Roy, um, I think he will make an impact. Yeah, I mean, he, I'll go along with what Dave was saying. He's going to give you assists, definitely. He's certainly going to chip in with goals as well. I think that goes without saying. He's going to fit in exceptionally well with um, Tottenham's current midfield, forward line, etc. as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the only doubt, first of all, is age. Secondly, uh, injuries in particular. Oh. Um, so, of course, he's not going to be fit at the moment. I mean, uh, he eventually he's, he's going to get a starting spot, yes. It's going to be interesting, Roy, I think, more than anything, to see how he builds himself into the Premier League, more than anything. I mean, he hasn't played Premier League football, remember, for a long time. So, you know, you've got to remember that. Uh, it's going to all be different for him, obviously. He's been used to, uh, at one stage, being a regular for Real Madrid. Uh, admittedly, he hasn't for a while now, true. So, uh, yeah, it's going to, uh, you know, I think it's a case of, he will deliver, yes. He, he, he's that type of a player, isn't he? You know, he, he, he's a big stage player. He's certainly going to deliver. Um, he's going to make an impact as of when he gets fit as well. Whether or not it can propel Spurs, shall we say, into a top four finish, obviously that remains to be seen. I've still got my doubts in that aspect of it. Dave, there was talk of Deli Ali, who's out of favour with Mourinho, being linked with a possible move to PSG. Today, Mourinho said he expected Deli Ali to be part of his squad when the transfer window shuts. So, what's going on with this one? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, us, you know, when we read the papers and the constant rumour mills, because of that documentary and some of the lazy comments that they would have seen against Ali, and then the fact that he hasn't been in the two, like this is obviously going to run and run until the, the transfer window is out, uh, closed. But the fact that he hasn't been in the squads for the last two is very interesting. Um, now, obviously, Mourinho's calling them to perform um, because, obviously, he expects them to stay, but he's calling them to perform and, and show a level of consistency, which is something that he's alluded to over last season or two, that he doesn't quite put in the same shift of work as the rest. Um, and he could... Like, I've always... I think... The alley that they have now is the alley that is 
Do you know the the one that was hyped up a couple of years going after that lovely volley against Palace? I think this is the Deddy Alley that I think, and that's the one I've always been questioning on the time in our show and the three years we've been doing a show, I've always kind of said, I don't know what is this fuss about Deli Ali. I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't hear it. And this could be Mourinho saying something similar, going, I'm starting to believe this too, and I'm calling you on it, and it's either show up or, or ship out. Now, he's claiming he's going to keep him, but maybe that's maybe that's part of the ploy. I don't know. He always seems to pick on somebody, and it's a case of you either commit me or you don't. You've seen him doing it with, with Chelsea Hazard, and in fairness, Hazard went with him for a season, and of course, they got the league title. His, Ali seems to be the player that he's kind of calling out now um, as somebody who has skill, who has a bit of talent, but needs to start showing it week in, week out. Um, and this is the moment. Either Ali's going to go or he's going to sit on the bench or he's going to stand up to the challenge. Um, I can't see the latter being the, the, the most likely. I'm not sure. We'll wait and see. But I think it's bit of it's part of Mourinho's MO and Ali is the, the point in case of whether he's going to actually come aboard or go elsewhere. Peter, Deli Ali, if he wants to play in the European Championships next summer, he's either going to have to play in a Spurs team that he's not getting in at the moment or he's going to have to move. First question to you is, how highly is Deli Ali rated in England and for yourself? And second, he probably will have to move, but who would take a chance on him in, in, in England? Well, answer to the first question, how highly is he rated? Uh, if, you'd have, if you'd have asked me this about three years ago, uh, Roy, I would have turned mm. around and said he's rated very highly. But unfortunately, inconsistency has been his problem. Uh, he's the type of player who never really turns it on in big games. I mean, he's, he's, he, he can turn it on on the odd occasion in small games. Yes, certainly. But I'm afraid when it comes to the big games and the real crucial, crunch, important games... He doesn't. It's as simple as that. And again, I think a lot of that is about his work rate. Uh, he, he's that type of a player. He's, he, he is a lazy player, to be, to be honest with you. Um, he's somebody that, yeah, I mean, look, if he wants to go to the Euros, you're right. He's, he's got to start performing and playing at a level of higher consistency. I mean, Gareth, Gareth Southgate at the moment will probably look, I mean, what he wants is players with consistency levels that are high. He wants players to be performing week in, week out. Okay, obviously, if you're not playing, you can't do that. No, true. But the only way you can do that is to train well, perform well, and and show a work rate that a manager will want you to stay in that side as well. Now, um, perhaps Mourinho is this type of manager who, they quite rightly said, he, he always tends to probably pick on one player and perhaps... This is a situation where Ali is, is the main man at, at the moment in the Mourinho, I'm going to pick on you department, true. But I go along with Mourinho. I think he's got to be more consistent. Um, as guards, who would take him in the Premier League? It's difficult to say, Roy. I mean, at the moment, who, you know, if, if he could be a regular player playing week in, week out and delivering, more importantly, in crucial games, as I mentioned earlier, I think there would be a few clubs uh, queuing up for his signature. But at the moment, I, I don't think even the bigger guys would really want to take a risk on a Deli Alley, even if perhaps Tottenham did get to this situation where they would perhaps want to sell him and sell him a, 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 a sort of a reduced rate. I, I don't know. I mean, that could possibly happen as well. 
Europe would possibly be his, his destination. I mean, yes, there's talk about perhaps him ending up at Real Madrid, possibly. I mean, that's another situation. I mean, there was talk originally, remember, where it was going to be a case of Gareth Bale coming over and, and uh, Ali going to Real Madrid as a swap with, with, with some cash thrown in as well, also. So, but obviously that didn't happen, no. It, it still might happen where Ali, uh, Deli Ali does eventually go to somewhere like Real Madrid. Or I, I think at the moment, uh, his best hope, uh, well, certainly more importantly, of playing regular football is to go to Europe. And, and therefore, I, I feel with European clubs, he's got a very good chance of actually uh, fitting in there and to be playing regular football. But again, he's got to be consistent. And he's got to up his work rate. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I think Mourinho does take it out on, on, on certain players. But anytime I've seen it, it looks like it's justified. And he's waiting for a reaction off players. And if he, get, he gets the reaction, great. And if you don't get the reaction, well, then that was your last chance with him. So I've a feeling that Deli Ali won't be around for a long time at Spurs. And he probably needs to get the finger out. Now, Dave... Leeds seem to like to have a, a few goals in, in the games that they play. 4-3 this weekend against Fulham, a win. Dan James from Manchester United has been linked to a move to Elland Road. Uh, it's an interesting one because Helder Costa Ooh. at the weekend plays on the right-hand side, got two goals. Harrison's on the left, has played well. Mm. Uh, does that one make sense? He's done okay at United and he started off quite well, grabbed a few goals, but now unfortunately... The goals aren't there, but neither is the provision of chances, really, because he seems to get into a couple of nice positions, bag the pace, and then the final ball lets him down, which is probably ultimately what he's there for. So between the goals that he initially had and then the assists, which weren't really quite there, unfortunately it's showing up now as a lack of um, output from him. I would trust Bielsa in bringing him in. I know Helder Costa's done a good job, but you know Leeds are really kind of slowly strengthening up the side. and. It, it, yeah, Peter, the Leeds have shifted a few goals too, though, and that's a worrying aspect now. I think it's, mm. is it seven in two games? So it's definitely something that they need to, to focus on. Well, yeah, I mean, let's face it, they're a joy to watch, aren't they, as, as any neutral would tell you. Um, but you're right, I mean, that is their main problem. Yeah, you're right, seven goals in two games, all right. Against Fulham as well, I mean, yes, or I think they were 4-1 up at one stage, but again, they still kept shipping goals in. Eventually, they hung on for that. But yeah, that is their problem. But I think the Bielsa way, he's not going to change the way he plays. That Their their position is always going to be a situation of, don't worry about it. If you score three, we're trying to score four. Which, you know, on paper is, is wonderful. And, and like I say, it's a joy if you're a mutual to, to actually watch that type of football, but I mean, I think the problem with Leeds is they're gonna they're gonna lose more games than they're gonna win. Basically, if if you if you keep playing that type of football more than anything, and let's be perfectly honest, you know, Fulham at the moment are pretty poor, and 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 to you know for Fulham to get three goals, that does tell you uh, Leeds' problem in defence more than anything as well. I mean, all right, yeah, you can say well Fulham letting four, true, but I mean Fulham at the moment are also letting in goals for fun as well so yeah I think straight away Bielsa on paper literally has got to start sitting down and either reshuffling his defence or working on situations where you know don't start going gung-ho you know hold on to the ball more uh, look, look at that example 4-1 up now let's face mm. it any side that's 4-1 up 
similar whether you've come into the Premiership or not, you should hold on to that type of league. So, but the problem is, I think with Bielsa, he isn't the type of manager who's going to change tactics, change his way of playing. And he, if he did speak to him, he probably would sit down with you and say, yeah, true, we are leaking goals, but look how much we're scoring. But it's early stages, yeah. And the, and the problem is they're going to come up against tougher sides who, with their defence as it is at the moment, you can see the bigger sides and the sides who've got firepower in, in abundance are probably going to welcome Leeds at any time at all whatsoever because at the moment they're, they're far too easy to score against, most definitely. Manchester United suffered a heavy defeat, 3-1 at home against Crystal Palace, Dave. There was a lot of excuses after the game to, to players waiting up to, yeah. to scratch, uh, you know, we're the week behind. Aston Villa played at the weekend. They beat Sheffield United, who also had a game under their belt, but they beat them. So yeah. it, it's just, just yeah. excuses. Um. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be in the let quickly uh, sharpen the knife from Mr. Sosgare or United just yet because it is the first game. But the one thing that has to be pointed towards them is Palace had their homework and had it to perfection and had the game plan to win the game while United clearly didn't. The lineup, obviously, people were asking questions with them, Mensa and even Greenwood on the bench then as well, who had people scratching their heads. But it, you'd swear it was. Palace's 10th or 15th game of the season compared to United at, at times, the way they had the kind of counter-attack and the pace to a tee. So, yes, I would question the tactic and the way they kind of set out their play, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be quite where some other fans are. It's only one game. The season's only started. You know, certain things that are yet to be, not set in stone, but yet to kind of the storyline is yet to be is yet to be kind of it's still muddy if you know what I mean. It's not quite clear what way the season's going to go for every club. But I would be a little bit disappointed that there wasn't it, it, one team did their homework, the other didn't. That was what stuck out for me a mile a mile away in relation to it. Now I know the panel was silly, and we can go into that another day if you want. Or now I couldn't care less because it was. I think we were we're all kind of we're well versed in, in, in what happened. Go on, in, it, go that, on into it anyhow. Um, go on into it anyhow because it's such No, a... but it just shouldn't cloud it shouldn't cloud what happened. Um United were poor and they had a they they, they, they didn't get off the get out of the blocks quick enough and United report and it, it would just it would just smoke screen the fact that they played poor for ninety minutes, if you know what I mean. But I want to go onto that subject anyhow because it wasn't just that game and, and, it, and it wasn't just that game over the last couple of weeks that uh, penalties were given. Uh, wasn't there one against Liverpool and Leeds where there was a deflection? Hit, hit one yeah, of when, I, when I first seen it, Roy, I, yeah, 100%. When I first seen it, I thought it was Benno um, uh, because it was a shot on goal and it hit the arm. So that's just my opinion. I don't know the exact rule of the law. Um, but when I seen the replay and I seen it hit his leg and then popped up to his arm and went, yeah, well, put it this way, if that was a Liverpool defender, I'd be a bit pissed off or I would think it's a bit harsh. So, when VAR when I went to VAR, I would I was prepared for potentially it to be um, overturned. So in that instance, I was a bit surprised it wasn't. Look, it, see the only things that are definite is offside and that bloody encroachment on 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 the goal line. Mm. You know, there's no grey area for them to. The VAR can go yes, he's offside, whether it be a, a millimeter or a yard or. The exact same for for the goal line with the with the keeper with one foot on the line. They're the only two. Whether you agree with them or not, you can say yeah, it's a yes or a no. 
but with the handballs, there's three or four different bylaws and the arms out, arms in, and whatever. It leaves the grey areas that some referees might think they're like they're human, like us. Some might think that's a penalty, and others mightn't think it's not. So that's why do you simplify the handball rule again and say handball's handball? I'm not saying yes, but it's just it's 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 one of the blatant ones that is not is not consistent in my opinion. You, have they not made a, have they not made it harder, Dave, to yeah. now to judge it? Where before it was up to the referee, did he, he I believe he did it on purpose or I believe it was an accident. Yeah. That was it. So you yeah, accepted yeah, so, that. Now, oh, 100%. now they're talking about it's not a natural running position or not natural arm position yeah. or whatever. What What is a natural yeah. position to your body when you're playing football? Like the, <sighs> the Linderoff one was he was running in a stride and his arm happened to come out that side. And yeah. then his arm was just there. If you know what there. I mean. it wasn't That's what it was. Purposely it, in the way. It was just there. No, well, he has to, his arm has to be somewhere when he's running. You know, so it's <laughs> you can't take you can't them off. Ru- no, you can't run that with arms by your side. And the same with the one leads. Yeah, uh, I mean, what do you do? He's he's making himself big. He blocks it with his leg. It ricochets up off his hand. What's natural position? Is it down by your side? If that's not natural when you're playing football, so they have mm. they've made a farce. No. It's a bit of a, a, a joke of the rule now. And as I said, I thought it was a lot yeah. more simpler. I didn't think it was a problem in the first place the way it was being treated before. But so they seem to want to muddy the waters an awful lot, which is uh, which is very yeah. disappointing. And I hope they do have a look at it and 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 try and reverse it. But I heard one of the referees turn around on Sky Sports the other morning, and he was saying, "No, we're happy with the rule. We think." it's going places we think it's doing the job so the people who play football and there's no surprise there that they're going to defend them anyway they always do the truth the truth the truth Peter Crystal Palace in the top four (laughs) we probably (laughs) we we probably thought they were going to go down this year they still might struggle but it's a great start yeah I mean look I don't think anyone really looks at tables after two games Roy, even if you're a Palace fan, I mean, you know, you've got to be realistic. As Dave said, look, we've only just started at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, all right, it's good to get off with 100% record. Of course it is, yes. Um, Palace, to be fair with them, they've done well in their two games, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, against Manchester United, they totally dominated a, a poor United side. I agree. I just feel with Crystal Palace, the key for them, if they're going to be successful, and I still think... Uh, as you know, I put them down as being one of the three to be relegated. And, I've, uh, and nothing so far has changed my mind because, remember, titles and relegation are not one at the start of the season. Come May, we'll wait and see. Um, I think the big key, of course, is uh, Wilfred Sahar. You know, they've got to hold on to a guy like Wilfred Sahar. I mean, he, he was excellent against uh, Manchester United mm. at the weekend as well. And uh, I think he's their real key player, you know, uh, if they get, if they have to end up getting rid of, I know they keep saying no money will uh, prize him away, but we all know we've heard that before. And if somebody mm-hmm. does come in with a realistic uh, amount of money, I think he will go. It's fairly obvious, but I think he's going to be their key. Having said that, um, yeah, you know, praise them. You have to praise them. I agree. I think defensively they've looked a lot better compared to what they were before uh, the restart. Uh, sorry, after the restart. At the end of last season, I mean, to be fair, they couldn't even buy a win, could they? Literally. So, but possibly that may have been a little bit of the case of, well, look, when they did come back, they were virtually safe anyhow. So I don't think they were too concerned as such. And I think Roy Hodgson probably had one eye on the start of uh, 
this brand new season. But yes, it is early days. Yes, you're 100% correct. And you know, Crystal Palace, yeah, great. You know, played 2-1-2, two, two, played well in both games. You can't say they've been bad. They haven't. They've looked good in all departments. But I still feel at the end of the day, it is very early yet. And I, I keep echoing the point that I think a lot is going to depend on Zahar. Yeah, and and where he goes or if he goes, correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So talking about transfers, I think we'll dissect this conversation with a bit of transfer talk. Dave, Matt already left Wolves to go to Spurs at the start of this season. So what have Wolves done to uh, fix that? Um, uh, let me do the maths really quick, Roy. They have literally spent 47 plus 9, about, 30, about 38 million on two right backs. Because yes, obviously the famous one is Nelson Semedo, which was confirmed for 27.6 million. But also when Diogo Jada went to Liverpool, um, Kiana Hover, um, a Dutch uh, potential promising starless, uh, has gone the other way for uh, an initial fee of nine million. Which, when that first happened, I was quite impressed for him because obviously he'd be in the shadow of Alexander Arnold and Nick Williams. He played for the Dutch side um, here in Ireland in the under 17 European Championships, where they were by far head and shoulders above everyone else, and famously. He came on against Wolves in the FA Cup when they played a very young side and a player got injured within a few minutes and he had to win as a centre-half. Um, and he's only 18, 19. So I was quite impressed for him that he might get in the door and get in there quite quick and start showing some of the promise. But Nelson Semedo has come in from Barcelona for an initial fee of 27.6 million. 26-year-old Portuguese uh, right back, which a little bit of stardust in the fact that He's a Portuguese international and from Barcelona to Wolves is is a coup for them. Now, whether he brings Barcelona star power is a different story because he's been in and out. He's been a bit inconsistent. But that's not necessarily all down to him because they are a bit strange in the back line over the last few years. So um, have they updated? It's, it's hard to say just yet, but they've definitely given themselves a great chance with a new up-and-coming promising potential star, and then Nelson Semedo. So uh, some interesting moves from Wolves over the last couple of weeks, obviously with uh, Fabio Silva, the 18-year-old from Porto, 35 million striker. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting because Wolves are in that limbo of they're happy being kind of in the top eight there, thereabouts, or the best of the rest. And now it's kind of like, what do we do? Do we stay here or do we try and flirt with getting in there? So some of these moves, it's interesting to see what way, what's their ambition. It's hard to kind of tell what their ambition is, but it's very interesting that obviously George Mendes, the super agent who has very strong links with the club, I'd say would have had a big part in bringing in Nelson Semedo. But it's just interesting with the two young up-and-coming players in Hover and Silva. Are they looking to the future to potentially have their own one or two superstars to sell on for big money or, or for one or two hidden superstars to potentially push them that little bit further? in the league only time will tell but some definitely some very interesting moves for Wolves and makes them a little bit like in in, in stature wise just brings them up another notch or two with some bending of them 
quietly impressed and now hopefully we can see see it turning into some serious action on the pitch yeah Peter you uh, you might have a little bit more news on Douglas Costa uh, to Wolves yeah it wow. seems to be Wolves at the moment uh, you're quite right um, apparently they're in very very big talks and they look like being favourites to snap up the uh, Juventus winger you're right Douglas Costa uh, the Brazilian um I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a talented player, it has to be said. I mean, he, the only slight doubt is he had a disappointing Serie A season. 23 matches he featured in. He only got one goal. He did contribute to four assists. But at the end of the day, by his stand, I think that would be a little bit disappointing. But if he came to the Prem, and like we've been talking walls literally for the last few minutes, I think as a winger, a flying winger, I think it's the type of player that Wolves would really need at the moment. And uh, I think it will be a very, very good addition. As I say, uh, there's a couple of other clubs that are sort of sniffing around. Uh, but certainly at the moment, the talk back here in England is that Wolves tend to be uh, favourites to sign Costa. He, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's agent as well, apparently, has uh, been uh, talking about two Wolves, about Costa also as well. So I think that's another big coup for them and a big key as well for them to actually get over the line with that signature. And, and on a personal note, I mean, myself, I'd love to see him play in the Premiership. I've got quite a lot of time for him as well. So fingers crossed, and I'm sure Wolves fans have also got their fingers crossed as well. And if it can get done, it will be a terrific addition. Yeah, no, it'd be a, good, a quick fix now. It seems Yotta has gone to Liverpool, fill that gap. Dave, Harry Wilson looks nearly certain to go to Burnley now. Yeah, um, to be honest, it's time for him to fly the coop. Do you know why there's these players who stick around until they're 24 and 25 at their Chelsea, Cities, Liverpool, United, and just go on loan all the time? And then all of a sudden, when they're 26, 27, you're like, do you remember him? Where's he gone? And they just drift away. Like, that's the fear I have for somebody like Harry Wilson because I know he went to Bournemouth last year. He was in Derby the year before. He had a better year at Derby than he did at Bournemouth. He showed promise, scored a few goals, nice free kicks, but then slipped out of favour as 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 a, the going got tough, so to speak. Um, so for him, I think it's time to get out there, start solidifying your your place in the side, and really start and, and progress your career. Because like as as we with the likes of Jota coming in, and then obviously the front three that they have, and then obviously Shakiri, Brewsters, Origi's, and everyone else. The seven or eight in midfield, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna fill a hole at Liverpool, that's for sure. But it's now time for him to really prove himself because he could just be one of them who is a nice player but really got it to be at that level. Because at the moment, um, lovely legs and what have you. But I would put him in the same bracket. Like this is on an Irish perspective, as as your Conor Owens and your Robbie Brady's a guy. He has a nice left foot, but I wouldn't even necessarily put him on that bracket because I don't know if he has the same work ethic. Because is that all he is, is a nice player? But it's definitely the time for him to step up in his career now and really start to 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 get in the, into the fold somewhere and play consistent football. Um, and for him, if it's Burnley, the best to look to him. But he needs to, to get going for both his domestic uh, and obviously for international career because he's a Welsh international. And Giggsy, as much as he kind of makes... Uh, he makes allowances for the likes of Gareth Bale. I can't see him making allowances for Harry Wilson if he's not playing. Definitely, he's definitely one of those players that needs to move on and, and stamp his authority on a yeah. team because he hasn't done that yet. He's kind of just floating around right. there. 
Peter, Manchester United, they seem to have a lot of players that don't seem to want to go anywhere. A lot of players, I suppose the likes of Lingard, I suppose the likes of in the back line, you might have Boy or Phil Jones, or Chris Smalling still there. He's not going anywhere at the moment. Uh, they have to, Roma haven't met the, the price tag that Manchester United have asked for. Uh, Delot, who plays in Roy Full, not going anywhere. Mata still there. There seems to be quite a few players not being pursued. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, you, you know, you've basically named some good good names there that you feel that most clubs will be chomping at the bit to sign, wouldn't you, really, more than anything? But I guess uh, all those names that you mentioned, they haven't really played a lot of games, have they, really? I mean, you know, they, they obviously don't feature at the moment in uh, uh, OGS's plans as such. I mean... I can see, yes, okay, they're squad players at the moment. And, of course, uh, it, you know, the big clubs obviously have the bigger squads. For obvious reasons, they're going to be competing in more tournaments than others. So, therefore, you've got to have big squads, which which I get, I get you know, I fully go along with, definitely, yeah. But it, it, it is a little bit strange. And I suppose the other thing is you, you find that some teams, if you had that calibre of players who weren't playing regularly, they'd be banging on the manager's door, wouldn't they? Demanding transfers uh, left, right and centre every day of the week as such. But United don't seem to have that problem. And that could be the fact of going back to the old days when uh, Alex Ferguson was in charge. I mean, you hardly ever heard of a player who was uh, upset, angry, annoyed, wanted to leave the club, didn't want to wear the shirt anymore. Um and and that mentality, I think, has carried on for since obviously Alex Ferguson has gone and and uh, managers after that. And I mean, at the moment, obviously Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well in the hot seat. So, but they must have a way of keeping players happy, I think. Whereas other clubs tend to not have that way as such. So, I, I don't know how you know what you put it down to as such. I, I, I really don't know. But it is interesting. It's it's a very very good point. And as you said right at the start, it's it's amazing really that you know yes they're still there, but at the end of the day, no clubs as yet so far have even come in for any of those names you mentioned. No, and I'd say Link is afraid to say anything in case somebody cops on and torps him out of it because. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. 27, 28 now, and he's still fobbing a career at Man United. I'd say he's afraid <laughs> to say it in case they realise he's there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but he's, he's one of the experienced ones, isn't he, Dave? If, you know, mm. as well, I suppose you've got to consider that. He's yeah. very comfortable at United. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if you look at the players that who Man United are probably willing to sell and they still can't get rid of, you've probably got... Now they have Sergio Romero. Yeah. Obviously, Jesse Lingard, Phil Jones. You've got Andreas Pereira, Marcus Rojo. As I said, Chris Smalling yeah. is there. Wow. You would think that these players, they'd be, they'd be wanted from certain types of clubs, you know. But Man United seem to be a club that in transfer windows, whether it's selling or buying, and you come down to the Jaden Sancho deal, they seem to be getting very desperate, don't they? Like They don't seem to be managing it very well. They could be on serious wage as well, though, Shano. Like, um, at the time when it's a bit like Liverpool, say, 10 or 15 years ago when they were trying to get to the next level, they kind of had to overspend a little bit uh, on personal terms with certain players to try and get them in. And maybe that's what it is with some of these guys. They're on phenomenal money. Like, Roma can't afford Smalling's wages, hence why they were getting them on loan last year. And it was the same with Sanchez, 
as well. He was on phenomenal money, as we know. So that's where some of them could be very comfortable there and don't are quite happy. A bit a la Bale, who was quite happy to finish out his career at Madrid. Obviously, Spurs have done the deal since. So I don't think it's just purely down to clubs not wanting them. It's probably some of them are a bit too pricey for their liking. And especially in this current climate, um, where they don't know when their next kind of gate receipts and, and other monies that they usually get are coming in. So some of them could just be a bit too hot to handle, unfortunately, for, for, for clubs at the minute. Yep, looks like they have themselves in a bit of a situation. Okay, Dave, Liverpool, a good victory, which could have been a very tricky game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. 2-0, albeit helped by uh, Moronic sending off from Christensen. How do you sum that game up? Uh, yeah, like, it made it easier, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Liverpool were slightly the better side in the first half. Chelsea gave more respect than I would have expected, to be honest. They were quite happy to sit back a little bit and soak it up. Uh, maybe they were a bit afraid. I know, obviously, they were well in the game a little bit, in the Anfield game only a couple of months ago, but they still shipped five goals, so maybe they didn't want to overcommit a little bit, and they're still a bit vulnerable in the back line. Um, so just... I was just a tiny bit surprised that we got that respect, but as we all know, as, as soon as, as you said, that moronic tackle, when I, when I first seen it, I thought, oh, we could be in trouble, but I thought Kepa had it and probably would have been, would have would have won the ball and he might get away with the booking, but as soon as you see the replay, you, you can see him, he literally just jumped on the back of him oh, and no. he had no intention of making the tackle. The tackle would have made and, it onto the, to our rugby podcast. That's, it was literally exactly. out of that playbook. It was ridiculous. Yeah, you... I, I was ball watching, so I didn't see it until the replay, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you're gone, mate. No matter, dress it up all you want, you are gone." And um, that was that. Then it, it, it was it was pretty much game over, and you were just waiting for Liverpool to get the answer. Now, thankfully, we got it early enough in the first half, or in the second half, with a with a great kind of one touch pass and move that your your Thiago would be quite happy to 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 witness a uh, great goal by Manny, and then Kepa, unfortunately. I don't know what it is. What is it with the Spanish keepers in the Premier League? But you know, he got caught. Now it was fascinating because Mane actually charged him down more so in anger because of a misplaced pass. It was very much I'm running the anger out of my system, and then it worked out in his favour because he blocked it and tapped it in. But another another mistake. Boy, like I'm not pigeonholing um, him on his own, but him and the hey are having an awful time. But you know. There was definitely chances for Chelsea before the game when you hear Fabinho went in, but then he was solid. And Bernard purposely picked on, on on him in the first half, but he never got he never got by him, never causing too much problem. Havertz, they really need to hurry up and make a decision where they're going to put him in because I think out wide right, I know it's only two games, but he just doesn't seem to either. He's still getting his feet settled in over here, or. He mightn't have the legs yet for the game, but I thought he was just another passenger, passenger in fairness, in my opinion. He's still finding his feet. And then, obviously, no Rudiger in the squad at all. And, of course, the rumour mill's kicking off now that he's going to be sold, considering I wouldn't be Christensen's biggest fan. So, unfortunately, with the sending off, I think it was inevitable. But the way the play was going in the first half, I think Liverpool probably would have maybe eked it anyway. But, obviously, Christensen made it very easy for us. Yeah, I, I I didn't think Liverpool were creating much, but they definitely had the possession, and and Chelsea were happy to yeah. have, let them have the possession and try and fill the gaps. 
I was slightly disappointed with Chelsea in that regard. But as you said, with Kai, yeah. with Kai Havertz, I, he plays in behind the striker or for the last while with Leverkusen, he was the striker. So I'm, I'm yeah. like you, I'm not sure that he's, he's going to be running up and down that right-hand side for the rest of his no. Chelsea career. No. Not if they want him to play well. So I think you're bang on there. Peter, Thiago came on and got the plaudits. Everyone waxing whimsical about him but in all fairness it's the perfect time did anyone else realise that Thiago Alcantara is the greatest player of all time all of a sudden like literally within a day the Premier League has got the best player of all like it was it was a bit nuts and I'm glad somebody else well I'm I'm in a great by the way but anyone else think some of that nonsense was crazy yes (laughs) (laughs) no 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 (laughs) well you are (laughs) guys yeah no no I'm quite happy you asked and I'll give you an answer. Yeah. No, I, I think it, look, look, I think it was, but uh, to be fair, that probably sums up a lot of the English media. You know, mm. a, a guy like that comes over and immediately everyone jumps on him and thinks he is the best thing since, uh, I was going to say Messi or something like that, but that's probably going a little bit too far. But um, no, 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 I, I'd go totally go along with you. I mean, I thought personally, I thought Mane was brilliant. Um, mm. I, I think his work rate uh, off the ball is phenomenal. Mane in a gun if you focus on him for 90 minutes work rate is absolutely outstanding and he presses presses all the time and yeah you're right Dave I, I, he was obviously angry after that mistake and at mm. the end of the day that, that ended up uh, quite rightly getting that goal but I go along with you I mean I, I think Liverpool on the day deserved the victory yeah you know Chelsea probably a little bit were in the game but I'm afraid I think to, you know from a Liverpool point of view I think they were the side that really looked like uh, going on and winning, whatever happened, whether whether it was they were playing with ten, against ten men or eleven men, I don't think it would have made any difference at all whatsoever. I think it's a little bit. I know some people are saying, or people were saying after the game, and certainly in the media and the press down here in England, they were saying that well, it just proves that how far Liverpool are ahead of Chelsea. Now, first of all, it's only two games played. True. <laughs> Secondly, it's going to take Chelsea a while to bed in with these new players. I mean, you know, you've got to remember, Chelsea haven't just invested in one or two players. Hell of a lot of players. And, you know, it's going to take them a little while, I think, to gel together. Dave, Leicester City are two for two now and are starting the season the exact same way as they started last year. Could there be better from Leicester City this year? Could they push on to that top four? It's it, it's it's very hard to say 100 yes, but there's no two ways. There's no there's no reason why they can't be in the mix because there's no there's no four teams just in that position all, all for the whole year. There's six or seven teams in, in that race, and why can't they be in the race? They were here last year, and obviously some of the signs again this year that they're doing it. I thought they were very much um, the control inside against Burnley. Still very much just a they're just a well oiled machine, such a well balanced machine. It's uh, ironically it was Rogers' hundredth win uh, in the Premier League as manager. Uh, he's done it in two hundred and ten matches. It's an impressive stat for him, but he's just building another solid side again. Um, I thought Barnes obviously and the, um, the Belgian midfielder Daniel Pryor just seemed to control that midfield um, quite well and quite consistent throughout the whole game. And there's goals in the side, and it's not just all heavily centered around Vardy. Now Burnley, don't get me wrong, we're missing four or five first teamers, and then. And Robbie Brady went, but 
Yeah, Leicester are in the mix again, lads. There's no two ways about it. They've still got plenty of quality there. They haven't really, if anything, they've gained a bit of quality. They haven't really lost anything. Um, so yeah, they're in the mix without a shadow of a doubt. Brighton had a good 3-0 win against Newcastle, Peter. As we said last week, Newcastle beat a poor West Ham side and uh, could very well struggle. Well, they've showed that they're going to struggle this year because 4-4-2, Andy Carroll up front, I just don't see it working. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, well, I totally go along with you. I mean, you're right. It, I mean, certainly so far it isn't working. That, that's clear evidence of that in particular. And I think they will be struggling, yes. I mean... Well, I can't want to say struggling. I don't think they're going to finish bottom three, no. But I still think they will be in and around that bottom half of the table as such. But yeah, okay, it's early days yet, as we keep saying. Um, they haven't got off to the best of starts, no, having said that as well. And I thought Brighton played exceptionally well. I mean, I take nothing away from Brighton to go to a place like Newcastle, whether you've got fans there or not, and get a result like that <clears throat> was extremely good. And it, it, probably gives Brighton a huge amount of belief and confidence now more than anything. But yeah, Newcastle at the moment, they just look, probably the best word to describe them, I think, Roy, is disjointed. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably about the, the easiest word I could come up with in the uh, dictionary. Yeah, no, I just feel, having watched them, they just, you know, you look at them and they, they like I said, I just think they're disjointed. They're, they're just... There isn't anything there, is there? You just sort of look around, something to spark and everything, and it, it, there isn't, is there, really and truthfully? So early days, as we keep saying, you know, I know we mustn't keep judging sides after two games, as I'm always saying true, but um, for a Newcastle fan, a Newcastle point of view, uh, you really needed to get off to a good start. But certainly at the moment, that seems to be quite a way away. Yeah, there seems to be signs, though, there, Peter, that things are going to be troublesome for themselves uh, this year. Now, Dave... Roy? Yeah? Just a quick one on Brighton for a split second, and it's more probably for Peter, but uh, it's refreshing to see Tarek Lamptey playing uh, well, but Christ, what is it with right-backs? It's almost a bit unfortunate that he's another right-back to add to the ever-increasing list of right-backs for uh, for the English team. Yeah, right-back, right-wing... I suppose if they, well, yeah, he could he could probably potentially go into either or. I was listening to guys talking about it on the weekend. I went, oh, I'm delighted, but he's another bloody right back, you know, yeah. because as I, as he said, they've loads of them. Um, but uh, he's a joy to watch, and yeah, he could easily turn into wing. Um, but hopefully he keeps it up anyway. It's good to see. Yeah, and Ben White settling in there nicely now as well, and of course Aaron Connolly. Uh, Finished yeah. a, a brilliant goal, but he was so as you said before, he's he's a busy player, but the the goal. Made me think. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe there's something there. Oh, hundred percent, and you know. and and that's what I hope he adds to the business. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, so no. Hopefully, yeah. A, a great win for Brighton, but as we know with Brighton last year, they had some. Uh, there were ups and downs, and they seem to be there all season. So mm-hmm. they need to be a little bit more consistent, and I wouldn't take much away from beating. Newcastle, uh, maybe maybe away from home, but then again, there's no fans, so it's not that much of a problem. Dave, Arsenal, again, beat West Ham. West Ham aren't up to much. Uh, I worry for West Ham, but Arsenal, are, they're just looking a little bit more solid, aren't they? Yeah, like the thing with Arsenal, it's, yeah, that's what it is. It's not, it's, they're not, they're not doing anything uh, overly headline grabbing, but they're just getting the job done at the moment, which is probably a good thing for Arsenal because, 
they've always been known as a bit of a nice, flashy team, have a few little nice, fanciful players, but always have a soft centre and can be just bowled over quite easy. So the fact that they're going about it in kind of an unassuming manner, um, it's probably like, would I be a bit fearful uh, of them a little bit more than what I would have been before? And obviously having star power with the likes of your Aubameyangs and what have you. But Lacazette seems to be quite happy there now. And there's rumours of the the, the, the uh, contract extension. But same again, early doors, very much West Ham. I'm I'm not overly convinced about again, unfortunately, this year. But it's a kind of a silent, a nice, silent, quiet, unassuming, under the radar uh, improvement for Arsenal. And I'd be a little bit weary about it if I was on the... like. Not necessarily maybe Liverpool and City, but everyone else, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be quite weary of them if I was a uh, Spurs, Chelsea, Leicester kind of Wolves around that era. I, like they're slowly becoming that team where you might slip them into the top four kind of scenario over to others that you might necessarily have done before the league, before the season started. Yeah, it certainly. It depends on how Chelsea settle down, as Peter sort of yeah. talked about earlier on. If they don't settle down, and Arsenal can can take advantage of that. Yeah. It's, it's very very possible. Now, of course, on to league favourites, Everton, who won again this weekend, 5-2. Uh, Peter, Calvert-Lewin, Patrick, I mean, I watched this game, they were really good, they were really, really good, and, 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 they're, and they're starting to impress, and Ancelotti has done an awful lot in football, and... We, we we kind of did say about Mourinho, is uh, he passed it and what have you, but generally these top managers don't lose it. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, what I've liked about Ancelotti is, and I still like about him in particular, he goes about his business very quietly, doesn't he? He's that type of manager, and you're right, he's moulded Everton into a really, really good side. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, you look at that over the weekend, they were an absolute joy to watch, you know, apart from uh, the trick in particular as well. All right, you know, seven goals in the game. Yeah, true, uh, in particular. Plus, of course, that... that then didn't help them as well when Kieran Gibbs was sent off for a well, silly thing to do, really, and truthfully, more than anything else. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think what's helped a lot in particular, I think we said this a while ago, the signing of uh, uh, James Rodriguez. I think that's made a massive difference as well. Uh, I know you can't sit down sometimes and rely on one man, but I really do feel that he's settled in well there. Again, I think Angelotti will get the best out of him, and he's certainly getting the best out of this Everton side. Again, it, good start from them, but Everton have done this before. They started off well, and then they start slipping away, and then start losing games. But I, I just feel under Angelotti, especially this season in particular, I really do feel that uh, they are going to be a side. They're going to be difficult to beat. Yeah, they're going to lose the old games, but I think they're the sort of side that if they did lose the old game, they're going to bounce straight back as well. And uh, you never know, they could be a side that could well, I mean, certainly not threaten the top four, no, but you never know. They could even, you know, possibly get into that six, top six, you never know. But yeah, so far, a good start from them. Yeah. Now, say this after me, Peter. Hammers. James Rodriguez. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've, you've turned all our Irish players into McGrath's and Moran's. James. <laughs> well, I know. It's, uh, I say, yeah, I know James. Yeah, I, 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 I Jimmy, Jimmy Rodriguez. 
Yeah, Jimmy. That's that's a good one, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Jimmy. I, I, I'm still going to stick with James. But there you are. Originally, he came over as James. So I'm just... <laughs> and all of a sudden, he goes from James to back off, Brussels. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a good player. He's a very, very good player. I'll tell you. Juve- <laughs> Juventus were looking for a striker this summer, and they've got Alvaro Morata on a season-long loan deal. Oh. Uh, oh, it's, it's hard to know what to make of this. He 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 is. You can see a good player in Morata. He just needs yeah. a team that fits his his style, doesn't he? Oh, and he's gone around the he's gone around the houses to try and find that Roy, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, when I heard it, I was like, Ah, oh, Juve, what the hell? Like, I know you need to get somebody in, obviously with Higuain going over to the MLS, but surely somebody of Juventus stature, in my opinion, could do better. Um. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'd have to kind of put my hand up and say, yeah, prove me wrong. But I, I certainly have my doubts. But then again, you know, I know a lot of it will centre around Ronaldo, but you still need somebody who's going to back him up with potentially 15 goals upwards, you know, from your striker. So has Morata got it? I don't. I personally don't think so. But um, it's, t- it's a bit like, <laughs> like what we said earlier on with Harry Wilson. Come on. It's time to settle down and, and start really hammering home your 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 reputation instead of it only being talk or it, it, like it, it, you've done the talk now it's time to walk the walk kind of thing. And they've uh, they've they only got Murata in because they couldn't get Suarez in. Uh, the, <laughs> the Uruguayan striker undertook a test last week. He had to take an Italian test uh, because. The Juventus had their two foreigners, I think, isn't that what it is? And they needed an, an Italian, yeah. uh, Italian passport. passport. And the only way he's going to get an Italian passport, if he knew, uh, I think his, his wife had some Italian passport or something along those. Yeah. Anyhow, he had to know a certain amount of Italian. And uh, he, and he passed the flying colours. He passed the flying <laughs> colours. He says the, the Uruguayan striker undertook the test in Perugia last week. It is now claimed by the police that there were irregularities in his application and they believe the questions. Uh, he would be asked were leaked to him prior to the exam. The allegations are of a serious nature, as it appears Suarez's score in the test was predetermined. Uh, so it looks like he's going to get. Uh, well, I don't know if it's more than a slap on the wrist. It could very well be, but he's not going to Juventus, and uh, that just says. Well, all accounts, he's going to Atletico Madrid now, right? That's probably what it is. But uh, mm. that says it all about Suarez for me. I'm delighted for. Him. <laughs> okay lads we're going to leave it there we'll uh, we'll talk to you next mm. week and, and of course all the European football is starting to creep back in again so we'll be able to go through the whole lot of it again see you next week no bother